Psalm 51, verses 10 to 12. And I want to talk to you a little bit about prayer. Um, as we move into this Lenten season um, leading up to Easter, uh, prayer has always been an important part of that. Um, encouraging people who don't pray to pray. Encouraging those who do pray to maybe find even more times of prayer and um, to really make that a focus of their lives during these, these days leading up to Easter. Um, prayer is essential to the Christian life. I liken it to oxygen. You know, the body cannot function without oxygen, and the spirit, the soul, cannot function without prayer. It is absolutely essential. Sometimes I'll talk to people, uh, and they'll say, well, I don't really need to go to church to be a good Christian. I don't really need to go on mission trips. I don't really need to do this or that to be a Christian. But I have yet to hear anybody try to make the argument, I don't need to pray to be a Christian. Because you can't. It's just impossible to have this personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ if prayer is not part of your life. All the great men and women, if you go through the Bible, all the great men and women of the Bible, they're all people of prayer. I think about uh, Billy Graham, who just passed away. Um, if you had asked Billy Graham how important prayer was to his life, he would tell you it was absolutely essential. He couldn't have done what he did for so long, for so many, unless he was a man of fervent prayer. And we all, we all pray about a lot of different things. We pray about our needs. We pray for those we love. We pray uh, in times of trouble. We pray about the things that are going on in our lives. We all have different prayers. But what I want to share with you this morning is a prayer of David, King David of Israel. And in his prayer, I find a prayer for every Christian. What he prayed for, each and every one of us need to pray for in our own lives. Uh, before I read it, let me give you a little bit of context here. Uh, most of you know something about the story of David. David was the king of Israel. And as the king of the people of God, he was expected to live an exemplary life, showing his people the way God would have them to live. And much of the time he did. But one time he failed miserably. Uh, David became infatuated with another man's wife. She got pregnant. And he was facing a royal scandal. So he needed to cover it up. So he, he called the woman's husband home. He was a soldier in his army. And he called him home and basically gave him a pass and said, I want you to, you know, you've been a great soldier. I'm, I want you to take a couple days, go home, be with your family, and then you can go back to the war. But Uriah refused the king's offer. He said, I will not go home and enjoy the comforts of my family while my men are dying in battle. And so he went back to the war. 
So David became desperate and he, he ordered the commander of his army to send Uriah to the very front lines where the, where the heat of the battle was and then withdraw all support. And of course when they did that, Uriah was killed. And that left David free to marry the woman and he was more or less able to cover up his sin before man. But he learned you cannot hide your sin from God. And God sent a man named Nathan, one of his prophets, to David to do a very uncomfortable thing. Imagine being told by God, you need to walk in to the most powerful man in the kingdom and tell him he's wrong. And that he needs to repent of that. But Nathan did it. He walked in before David. He said, David, what you did was wrong. You know it's wrong. And he called him to repentance. And because he was a man after God's heart, he did repent. And this, this prayer, Psalm 51, the entire psalm is a prayer. And it's David's prayer as he, can, as he asks God to bring him back from this grievous sins that he had committed. And I found in the middle of this psalm something that we all can relate to, something we all need to pray about. So Psalm 51, I'm going to start with verse 10. This is what David prays. He says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. The first thing he prays is create in me a pure heart. In the book of Ezekiel, it, it, he talks about how the people had disobeyed God, they turned their back on God, and their hearts had become hard. He likened it to having a heart of stone. Imagine, instead of this beating heart you have in your body, you just got a chunk of rock. And, and he said, I can't, I, there's no love for me in that, I can't love that. He said, I, a hard heart is not something I can work with. And so he said, the day's going to come when I remove their hearts of stone and I give them a heart of flesh, something that's soft, something that is open to me. That's what David's asking. He's, he doesn't ask God to clean up his heart. He doesn't ask God to fix his heart. He said, I just want you to give me a new one. <laughs> just do a spiritual heart transplant Take the hardness of this heart out and give me a new heart for you. Give me a pure heart. Well, what does that mean? In, in Matthew 5, 8, Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So the pureness of our heart relates to our ability to have this relationship with God. Uh, I read a sermon one time where a pastor said to be pure in heart means to will one thing, to be single-minded in the most important thing in your life. A movie that I like is called City Slickers. 
You remember City Slickers? It's kind of old one now. Billy Crystal plays a character who's kind of burned out on life. He's, he's burned out at his job. He's burned out in his family life. He just, he just feels like he's in a rut. He's trying to, to find something different in life. And so he gets a couple of his buddies, and they go off on a western cattle drive, just like the cowboys used to do in the old days. And there's this grizzled old cowboy named Curly. <laughs> And one day, uh, he's riding beside Curly, and he's kind of relating to him, you know, why he's doing this. And Curly looks at him and said, you want to know the secret to life? So what is it? That's exactly what he wants to know. It's one thing. What is it? That's what you have to find out. <laughs> you know, it's like he was waiting. Oh, just tell me for crying out loud. And, and he's, he's basically telling him this. Everybody has one thing that is the most important thing in their life. And until you find out what that is, you're going to be lost. And that's what to be pure in heart means. It means to discover that the one thing that is most important in your life is your relationship with the Lord. And that everything else needs to rotate around that. Everything else needs to fall in place around that. If you've got the Lord over here somewhere out on the fringes, the other pieces aren't going to fit either. So to be pure in heart is to will one thing and to know that that one thing is your relationship with God. That's what David prays. Create in me a pure heart, O God, a heart that wills one thing and that one thing is you. He follows that up with uh, renew in me a steadfast spirit. A steadfast spirit. That word steadfast, we don't use that much anymore. But it's a good word. It, uh, a lot of other words are similar. It means loyal, uh, faithful, committed, uh, dedicated, devoted. All of those are kind of synonyms of steadfast. And as I wrote all those down, I had to stop and say, does that describe my relationship to God? Am I loyal, faithful, committed, devoted, dedicated to the Lord. See, David knew that he had not been. When he gave in to this sin, he allowed his spirit to be diminished. And so he's saying, Lord, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Bring back that love for you that I had. Bring back that devotion to you that I had. Renew it in me. And we need to pray that as well. Every day, we need to ask God to give us a steadfast spirit. Then he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. David had lost his joy in life. His sin had caused him to lose his joy. And he said, I want to restore it, Lord. Because I know that ultimately my joy doesn't come from those around me. It doesn't come from my kingdom. 
It comes only from you. He's talking about a joy that's kind of a bedrock uh, part of his life that the circumstances of life can't change. Are we able to find joy in the Lord even in the midst of the hardest of times? We won't unless we have a pure heart and a steadfast spirit. So that's why all these things tie together. I'm reminded of uh, Paul and Silas in, in Acts 16. These men had been faithfully preaching the gospel as Jesus commanded them to do. And what was their reward? Prison. <laughs> They'd been cast into prison. And not only were they cast into prison, but it said they were put into the inner cell. That would have been the darkest, coldest, dampest, dreariest place in the whole prison, the most inner cell. That's where they were put. And not only were they put in that cell, but it said they, their feet were put in stocks, which meant that they couldn't even walk around. They had to sit down on the floor, have their feet locked into this thing, and all they could do was sit there. It would have been miserable. And yet the Bible says at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. I love that. Now we would expect them to be praying. Get us out of here, Lord. <laughs> this place stinks. This place is cold. It's damp. We're tired. I need a shower and a good meal. Please free us. You would expect that. But on top of praying, they were singing songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. They didn't wait till they got released to do that. They did it while they were in the prison, in the stocks, and miserable. Because they knew the joy of their salvation. And what that means is to realize that no matter what is happening around me, two things do not change. Two things are not affected. One is who God is. God is God and nothing else going on in my life changes the kind of God he is. And second the relationship he wants to have with me. That he loves me, he cares for me, and he's always with me. That doesn't change. I mean, my life may be at the lowest point it's ever been. But God is still God. And his love for me is still there. And that's how you can sing praises at midnight in a cold, dark prison. And the neat thing about that is if you read on, it said the other prisoners were listening to them. Did they stop fulfilling God's purpose of sharing the gospel because they were stuck in the inner cell with their feet in the stocks in a cold, dark prison? You might think they'd take a break. <laughs> so we'll resume our ministry when, you know, conditions get better. No. It's like, what are we going to do here in this prison? Well, we can sing. You know, these walls are pretty, uh, 
pretty acoustical. <laughs> I bet if we sing, we can, we can, everybody can hear us. I mean, it works. And say they're, they're used to people moaning and, and praying and see, you know, crying out for relief and release. They're used to people begging and pleading for mercy. But they were in no way expecting to hear songs of praise and thanksgiving. And it brought them strength as well. And if we allow the joy of our salvation to uphold us in those hard times of life, not only will it help us, but think of the witness it has to those around us. Because they know that that strength doesn't come from us. It comes from the Lord. So create in me a pure heart, renew in me a steadfast spirit, restore to me the joy of my salvation, and then grant me a willing spirit. Now you might think a willing spirit and a steadfast spirit are the same things, but they're not. My, I might have a steadfast spirit toward God where I, I want my life to be committed to Him and dedicated to Him and I love Him and I want to serve Him. But then when the time comes, do I actually do what the Lord wants me to do? I think about it in terms of my childhood. When I was a child, let's say 10 years old, if you had asked me, do you love your parents? Oh, yes. I love my parents. Do you love your sister? Yeah, most of the time. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Do you love your dog? Oh, yeah. <laughs> love my dog. <laughs> you know, if you'd asked me, what, did I have a steadfast spirit toward my family? Well, absolutely. That's the most important thing in my life. But did I always obey my parents? You can say yes if you want to. <laughs> you know. I mean, I didn't. Sometimes. A lot of times. <laughs> uh, you know, I didn't always have a willing spirit. I had a steadfast spirit, but I didn't have a willing spirit. And, and we can do that same thing in our relationship with God. You know, these songs that we sang earlier, they're perfect for what we're talking about. Because, you know, we sing that song, You're All I Want, You're All I Need. Draw me close to you. Boy, that's a steadfast spirit. But then when the Lord calls me to do something difficult or uncomfortable, it's like, I do that. I don't want to do that. See, my spirit's not willing. My thoughts go to Jesus in the garden. The night before he is to be crucified, it really begins to weigh on him what is about to happen, just how much suffering he's going to experience and how difficult. Not only is he going to die, but he's going to die horribly. And it just begins to get to him. I mean, we, you see the human side of Jesus more in the garden than probably anywhere else. And he finally goes to prayer and he says, God, I don't really want to die. Well, what he actually said was, let this cup pass from me. But what that means is, I don't want to die. <laughs> I don't want to suffer. I don't want to be beaten. I don't want to be crucified. I don't want to die that way. 
Can we find some other way to do what I came to do other than that? That's what that prayer means. And yet at the end of it, he doesn't just say amen. <laughs> he says, but not my will, but yours be done. See, that's a willing spirit. He had a steadfast spirit, and in the end he had a willing spirit because he was able to say, Lord, if that's what has to happen, then let's do it. I'm, I'm here. Um, so four things that every Christian should pray for. A pure heart, a steadfast spirit, the joy of your salvation, and a willing spirit. Imagine what it would be like to wake up every morning and ask for those four things. What a difference that might make in how that day goes and the opportunities that come your way. Not only to grow in Him, but to serve Him. Let us pray. Father, create in us a clean heart, a pure heart. Give us a new heart. Father, we want to have a heart that is totally devoted to you. So give us a steadfast spirit. And Lord, help us to live each day in the joy of our salvation. To not allow the things that are going on around us to change our understanding of who you are or the relationship we have with you. And Father, grant us a willing spirit. There are times that we allow ourselves to get in the way of our relationship with you. And even though we love you and we want our lives to make a difference for you, we just don't want to do the things that you call us to do. So Lord, that is our prayer. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Your heart will not be pure. Your spirit will not be steadfast or willing. And you will not know the joy of your salvation unless you have Christ in your life. Everything we've talked about this morning is predicated upon a personal relationship with our Savior, Jesus Christ. And if you're here this morning and you don't have that kind of relationship, if you don't know Him as your personal Lord and Savior, then we need to change that. And I would invite you during this time of invitation to come. It would be my joy to receive you, to pray with you, to lead you in a simple statement of faith that acknowledges that you do believe in Jesus and you accept him as your Lord and Savior. We'll arrange for your baptism and we'll set your feet upon this path of doing all these things that we've just talked about so that you can have that kind of relationship with our God. Let's stand together. We're going to sing number 408, verses 1 and 3.